2: Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about.
0: No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast episode 402. Oh my God, you guys, this is the last episode of me as a 40-beep-year-old, and I'm going to be 40-beep on August 28th, and guess what? All I want for my birthday is for you to join my Patreon. I am begging you motherfuckers. Everybody who joins goes, Yeah, finally wore me down. Thanks a lot. So glad it's so hard to enjoy my fucking awesome extra comedy. Just, I don't, don't make me, this is my birthday week episode. Are you really going to make me sit here and go, join the Patreon? You know how much extra fun you get. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. The link is in the show notes. Starts at three or five dollars a month. Come on, folks. Come on. Pay my bills for my birthday. How does that sound? All right. This week. Oh, by the way, welcome to. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. I am your host, Jen Kirkman. And, uh, you know, this is where I come to just be the real me. I'm a comedian and I'm an author. I'm all kinds of things. And this is where I come to just chat. It's like a friend talking where you say nothing. The perfect podcast to listen to as you're cooking dinner or maybe driving over a scary bridge. And you just need someone with you, but you don't feel like talking back. Well, that's me. Let me be here for you. Let me be here with you, what are we talking about this week? Well, I have had no life this week because I don't remember if, if I told you guys or I just told the Patreon listeners, but um, I'm writing a Hallmark movie and I know uh, I wrote it in 2020, turned it in, didn't hear back for 14 months, the deal got closed, which means it's dead, no hard feelings. I assumed they weren't making it. And then uh, my manager gets a call a couple weeks ago. Oh, no, we plan to make the movie. She has to write a second draft. I had three weeks to write it. And I am in the middle of I am in the last week of it right now. If I work 12, 14 hours a day, I can get it done by the night before my birthday, which is when it is due. So as you can imagine, I have done nothing but write all week. I have no life. What could I possibly talk about? I'll talk about other people's lives. How about that? But, uh, no, we'll talk about some fun things today. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about the hot gossip of the the guy that wasn't hosting Jeopardy, but still the executive producer. I'm going to talk about... uh, Well, there's this interesting thread on Twitter about past lives. Um, I'll talk about that. And... I don't know, I was going to talk about, there's so many articles that I'm obsessed with about, you know, kind of work and where we are today in regards to COVID. But I'm not sure which one I want to talk about. Um, I might not even, I might talk about that the history of the rolling suitcase is steeped in sexism. I think I might talk about that one. I'm kind of in the mood for that one today. Oh, my Patreon supporters get to see my... um, black and white uh, palm print, not like a palm of a hand, but a palm tree print, pajama pants. (laughs) I mean, I'm a fucking mess. All right. Well, let's start the podcast hot. First of all, I'm just like, I'm trying not to mention COVID-19, the Delta variant in every single fucking episode. Do you remember... When this all began last year I think there was an episode I did in April of 2020 Where I said I took an a informal poll Do you guys want me to talk about COVID Or is it, is it too upsetting to everyone Should we just wait till it's over I mean wait till it's over Oh my god it's never ending I mean now I've just accepted It's here forever until it out itself But we can't control this thing You know we really can't control this thing, and, huh. you know, I've got a, a show coming up in December I'm in Brooklyn. I'm doing five shows, and I didn't think, like, COVID would be done by then, but I thought it would be pretty eradicated, and I thought everyone would be vaccinated. I mean, I knew there'd be a small anti-vax portion, but, you know, it's you have to be vaccinated to get in, Um. I, part of me doesn't want the tickets to go on sale on September eighth. They're going on sale on September eighth. If you want to get an update, you can just click the link in the show notes, and you'll get an email the day they go on sale to remind you and to give you a link and all that. But you know, I know there's lots of comedians on the road right now. But but you know what? I think I think what is adding to all of the hysteria that oh my god, the you know you get the vaccine, but you can still get a breakthrough case is that most people getting breakthrough cases aren't just seeing one person, you know, and they get it, they're, they're going to group things outside that, that, of course, you know, we thought we could do a while ago. Oh, everyone's vaccinated. Come to my outdoor birthday party. You know, there'll be 50 people there, but it's outside and we're all vaccinated. Well, that can spread the Delta variant. So it's like, yeah, 49 people wouldn't catch it in your life. But if you're all together, so it's more like, you know, it's, it's more like we need to stop these group things, and I think that's the problem. You know, um, I don't know. It, I'm just freaking out. I, I I almost don't want to put the tickets on sale because I feel weird promoting something while I know that this is wrong. And But I'm just hoping against hope that by December, um, people will have boosters and there won't be such a Contagious variant for the vaccinated And maybe the I'll make The audience wear masks and I don't know I mean I know obviously if it gets Really bad we'll, we'll cancel it and everyone will get Their money back you know I mean I'll Be responsible either way it just Feels there's no joy in Promoting what is supposed to be Like my big comeback you know Like my first time headlining since March Of 2020 live And I don't know I'm not loving It you know um I'm also just not loving this boosters at eight months thing. I thought the vaccine started to wane after six months, eight months. I don't want to wait eight months. And are we getting just the same booster that of the vaccine that we got? Or is there a Delta-specific booster? I thought Pfizer had that coming out. I need information. I mean, I'll get information. I've just been, you know, head down all week. but But, you know, I just, eight months for me is like, the middle of November and I'm going to already have done a bunch of stuff publicly by then. Uh, I might have to be in New York for a job. I I, I That's not going to work for me. You know, my parents are coming out to California in October. I've got an outdoor wedding in October. I don't know if any of this is going to happen. But I don't want to do any of this with my 7-month waning vaccine. I mean, I don't want these COVID symptoms. I don't want COVID at all. Oh god, everything is just Everything sucks. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel right now. Everything just fucking blows. You know, I I'm sorry. I know this is a comedy podcast, but ugh. uh you know, I was so happy in April. God, I was fully vaxxed, went to see my family. You know, things were looking up. I just felt listen, I'm glad I had that respite, right? Going to people's houses without masks on it just felt so free. And now just everything feels like, is this dangerous? Should I do this? I don't know. (sighs) Look, this thing was mutating already. But the way it exploded here in America, it is. Oh, I can't even get. What am I going to yell about anti-vaxxers again on this podcast? I can't do it. But guys, it's the only thing on my fucking mind. I am just way down with even if I'm not consciously thinking about it I just unconsciously know in the back of my mind that this country seems like it's going to hell in a handbag of disinformation and people who are just so righteously anxious and I don't mean they're rightfully anxious they're righteous while they're anxious and I just want to say Guys yeah, God, did you guys know My whole life Having anxiety I thought I was the only one Because I really was One of the only ones That I knew Talking about it I talked about it on stage And, and other comedians and, and club owners Would say "Well, Don't talk about anxiety On stage Nobody else has that And you're upsetting people And you know I was talking about My antidepressants And my panic attacks And my mindful meditation And my breathing And you know This is the late early 2000s I'm doing this And uh, you know No one's talking about this stuff I'm not saying I was some renegade It was certainly Around for a lot longer than I was talking about it, but I guess I didn't make it funny enough yet. But it never like became my thing, right? It wasn't you know my thing. Um, And but anyway, that's not the point. It's not about my career. I I, I just I've been dealing with this stuff for so long that the last five years I've made such huge strides. And now uh, there was something comforting for like 10 minutes at the beginning of 2020 where I went, oh, God, everyone's anxious. I mean, I knew that already, but it was nice to hear other people saying, you know, I'm anxious, too. I didn't know what anxiety was or, you know, this and that. But now it's like, my God, I feel so hashtag blast that I spent so many years of my life feeling alone like an anxious freak because I fucking dealt with my shit. And I, I'm not susceptible, I don't think, to conspiracy theories or or shooting people up from my car or it any, from anywhere. It's not. Well, I shoot people up from my roof, but I think that's a lot safer, you know. Or I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Thinking Donald Trump's going to get reinstated. I'm not. I'm not screaming at people ten years older than me, thinking that they could have, you know, stopped climate change. I, I'm just. I think. I mean, mostly handling my shit. Mostly. But in the big ways that people need help with anxiety, I'm just, I don't know. if it. I think it's like it just went from zero to a billion in four seconds. And I don't, I don't know if there's any coming back for half. I feel like it's half the country. Oh my God. And and this is not an ad for my other podcast, Anxiety Bites, which comes out October 2nd, but fuck, they kept moving the date back. It's coming out through iHeartRadio and they kept moving the date back. And I was like, Guys, by the time it airs in October, no one's going to have anxiety anymore because, you know, everyone will be vaccinated and everyone's going to be back out in life and they're going to people aren't even going to want to listen to podcasts that they're just going to be out fucking in the streets and (laughs) dancing. And God, I mean, was I wrong about that? huh? Um, But my dink ass podcast about anxiety is not going to help the level of fucking lifelong undiagnosed anxious people out there who are losing it but but maybe it'll be good for us just us people who are anxious and anxious about everyone else whose anxiety is pretty crazy oh god it's just not healthy It's just not healthy to know about it every five seconds. You know, and and I know we've talked about this. We get tricked with social media thinking, well, I need to be aware. Yeah, but think of how often you are just clicking into a portal to be aware of like all the trauma other people are experiencing that you can do nothing about. You might unconsciously look at it 20 times a day. That's completely mental.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: Well anyway. Well here's here's something fun. Have you guys ever heard of the dancing plague of uh nine of fifteen eighteen? Here maybe wouldn't it be fun if we could get this kind of plague going? This is on history.com. In july fifteen eighteen, residents of the city of Strasbourg then. Part of the Holy Roman Empire Were struck by a sudden And seemingly uncontrollable urge to dance This is like (laughs) pre-modern Footloose This is like the movie Footloose But everyone smells Because deodorant hasn't been invented yet The hysteria kicked off When a woman known as Frau Trophia Stepped into the street And began to silently twist, twirl, and shake She kept up her solo dance-a-thon For nearly a week I mean, she would have killed it on uh, Facebook Live streaming. And before long, some three dozen other Strasbourgeois bourgeois had joined in. By August, the dancing epidemic had claimed as many as 400 victims. With no other explanation for all the dancing, local physicians blamed it on hot blood and suggested that the afflicted simply gyrate the fever away. Okay, so wait a minute. This was So what I'm getting is people had hot blood. They had fevers? I, I don't really know. A stage was constructed and professional dancers were brought in. The town even hired a band to provide backing music, but it wasn't long before the marathon started to take its toll. So local physicians told people to keep dancing to dance their fever away. Okay, so anyway, many dancers collapsed from sheer exhaustion. Some even died from strokes and heart attacks. The strange episode didn't end until September, when the dancers were whisked away to a mountaintop shrine to pray for absolution. What? The Strasbourg Dancing Plague might sound like the stuff of legend, but it's well documented on 16th century historical records. It's not the only incident of its kind. Similar manias took place in Switzerland, Germany, and Holland, though few were as large or deadly as the one in 1518. Um, There's a historian named John Waller who said the most likely explanation of what the hell this was is that St. Vitus, a Catholic saint, believed uh, that... The power to curse. Wait. 16th century Europeans believed that St. Vitus, Vitus had the power to curse people with a dancing plague. When combined with the horrors of disease and famine, which were tearing through Strasbourg in 1518, the St. Vitus superstition may have triggered a stress induced hysteria. Okay, so here we go. So the reality of what was happening was there just was um, disease and famine, you know, coursing through this place. And some whack doctor suggested, oh, well, it's this saint um, that has cursed us, that has cursed you all with, the, um, you know, first some whack doctor told people to dance, then people thought a saint had cursed them, and then it just... St- spiraled into this mass hysteria. And I feel like that's what we're in now. Like we are in a sort of mass hysteria and a mass delusion. The fact that, ah, here I go. I'm trying to distract from thinking about this. But just the fact that, you know, children are getting COVID now. Remember the first round? They really weren't. And parents, parents are protesting saying don't make our kids wear masks. Like I know they don't want their own kids to die. I know they don't. They think they're saving their kids from something or maybe they're just they're in such anxiety that their kids might have anxiety from having to wear masks and they've just put themselves in this like mass paranoia hysteria that masks are the government trying to control us i mean can you imagine the the united states government that has nuclear bombs and tanks and all kinds of things is trying to control us with medical masks, paper masks. It's not like they're making us wear gas masks. That's how they try to control us? I mean, they're doing a bad job. I don't know. <sighs> well, I try I tried. Can you believe it's my birthday week? I mean, what kind of bullshit is this? (laughs) It's Virgo season, and it just doesn't feel like it. Ugh. Ugh. How about this? Let's talk about something spooky. So I don't know if you guys believe in reincarnation. Now, I I don't believe or not. I don't care. Uh, the whole world is a mystery to me. So, sure. Why not reincarnation? Now, I don't believe in it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. It, it wasn't really part of my religious upbringing. I know some religions have reincarnation as part of the... You know structure of belief and so i'm i'm in no way trying to shit on your religion if that's part of it It just doesn't come naturally to me because I wasn't raised with it really But i'm pretty basic, you know, I believe we when we die. It's just like pre-birth. We just don't even know I don't believe in an afterlife. I mean, but if other people do i'm psyched about it for them And I can I can uh get into it. Like, sure. I just personally, since I can't comprehend it, it kind of scares me. So I just would rather there not be, unless I'm totally wrong about what it is. Um, But I just don't like the thought of having consciousness (laughs) and being aware of it, Um, being aware that I'm in an afterlife. I know everyone says, no, 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 it's not like that. Your soul is free. I don't know. My soul's pretty stubborn. Nervous about my soul going. I can tell I'm in the afterlife and I'm bored. That's not. I don't think. I don't think that's for me. I remember when I would go to bed at night, my mother would tuck me in, and I would ask her the big questions, like, "What happens when we die?" And she'd say, "Oh, you go to heaven. Well, what's in heaven? Oh, you're on a cloud, and there's angels, and um, it's you're just so happy to be there." And I said, well, what do you do in heaven? You just be there and you're happy. And and it goes on and on. And I said, it never ends. No, there's no death in heaven. It goes on and on. And in my mind, this is how long it, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And she did that for 19 hours. That's my memory. She probably just said, oh, it's beautiful and you live in heaven and there's no death there and you live on. But I just remember she shut the good night, Jenny, and she shut the door and I'm laying in the dark at five years old going on and on and on and just picturing being in heaven on on and on and on and looking down at everyone else on earth, having fun and going, I'm trapped up here forever. So for me, the afterlife is not a comfort. Now, I don't want to talk about this because, my God, can I, I don't want to be upset about more things, but Mittens, my best friend, the second Mittens in my life, OG Middy, my cat growing up, which was really my sister's cat, but then they moved out because they were older than me and Mitty died when I was 12. Um, Mitty lived to be 20. My sister had another tuxedo cat named Miss Mitty. She was a little cute little thing, but she actually didn't live very long either. And then Mittens, Mittens the second miss mitty was her name her name wasn't mittens and then but then she named her other tuxedo cat mittens as you guys know mittens is my best friend in the world i facetimed mittens during the pandemic i went home to see my family and i spent a lot of quality time with mittens mittens is on the hey girl merchandise that uh, you can purchase and a portion of the proceeds do go to food banks you can click the link in the show notes for that and uh I like Mitty better than I like anyone else. That includes all of you, everyone in my family, all my friends. <laughs> I mean, Mitty seemed like um, some a, a being more than a cat. Like, Mitty was not like other cats. I know people say that. My sister has three other cats and I love them dearly. But they're just not a Mitty. There was just something special and different about Mitty. And uh, she has been missing for a month, but my sister has contacted a couple of animal mediums and two of them don't know each other and they both said the same thing. And I believe them actually. And I I think Mittens was taken by a coyote because there are coyotes in my sister's neighborhood. And uh, they come into my sister's yard often and take other things. They'll take a bunny. They'll take fucking whatever. So what one of the mediums told my sister was that M- Mitten's energy is really strong. But she is gone. But she doesn't know she's gone. And so she needs to cross over. And I said, why Why do we need to cross her over? If she feels like she's here, great. And uh, I guess they said so she can reincarnate. I said, um, listen, I can't argue with you. Uh, sounds good to me. So, you know, and I think it's good to... I just think it's a good energy practice anyway, right? So I don't know what my sister's up to with that. She's supposed to do some things to help men's crossover now. I believe if there is reincarnation, I think this is my first life. There's no fucking way unless I was so stupid that I've lived before because I feel like I'm a late bloomer and I'm kind of a fuck up. So I'm like, what was I like in another life and why have I learned nothing? Um but, oh, middies. Middy, middy, middy. Uh, I can't even, you guys. What is up with this podcast? It's so depressing. Uh, you know, as I say, it's always honest and real. Maybe this week isn't one of the funny ones. So anyway, I'm very fascinated, though, with children who say weird shit about other lives. And I know this is a phenomenon because my friend's kids have done this and they've told me stories and I'm always and my friends will be like, oh, my daughter came in my room last night out of the blue and just said, mommy, you're going to die someday. But don't worry, I've already been dead and now I'm back. And then walks out of the room, and my friends will be like, oh, "I'm sorry, you don't have kids. You don't want to hear a boring kid stories." I'm like, "That's not a boring kid story. Every other story you told me has been fucking boring. Please tell me more about the time your kid walked into your room when you thought they were asleep and said something completely psychotic." I, I, I want to hear those stories all goddamn day long. So anyway, I I don't know who this person is. Um, he looks like a comedian. Because he has holding a mic in his uh, avatar photo on Twitter His name's Dan Schreiber I think he's a a UK comedian Uh, Somehow this came up in my feed He tweeted, interesting bedtime chat with my three-year-old tonight Daddy, I had a family a long time ago And my mommy was called Sochi and I was called Anki But then I died and now I'm with your family (laughs) And he said, anyway, if anyone needs me, I'll be Cleaning the pants I just shat for the rest of the night. So then all these people in the thread started writing back about their kids. And someone wrote, my son once built a very lifelike old factory out of blocks and said, this is where I used to work when I was alive before age three. And then she showed the picture. It's quite advanced. This other girl said, my mom and sister were in a taxi with my nephew when he was about three. He pointed at a branch of Claire's accessories and said, when I was a big boy and I was a fireman, I used to go into that pet shop. The elderly taxi driver almost crashed and said it had been a pet shop when he was a kid. Uh, this other woman said, my kid often asked about her, often talked about her old family. So th- this person's four, four year old. Uh, so one day I asked her what happened. And she said, very simply, there was a big storm and bad men came and my mother tried to protect us, but she died. <laughs> no, could, This could be kids imaginations, right? But and maybe it's part of the brain's development process that they have to think about life and they've been here before. I don't know. Or maybe they're more connected to the spiritual realm because they're, they they they've just came from it. And they just, there's no filter yet. And they just tell you, you know, I don't know. But it's interesting though when a little kid says that, I go, oh my God, maybe there are past lives. I believe that kid, that kid's a goddamn little genius, a little sage, but if you, sit across from like a 35 year old He's like, yeah, so in a past life, I was, um, I was um, a saint, and she was burned at the stake. You're like, okay, crazy. You know, you don't want to hear about it. Well, it's because adults never can just be some schlub. In a past life, I was a total fucking schlub. I worked in a uh, office in a cubicle. I worked in the first cubicle um, that was ever made. And then, um, yeah, I crossed the street without looking, I got hit by a car. No one goes. Oh, that was my past life. Everyone's always like, "I was an ancient Roman goddess." No, you weren't, Phyllis. You weren't. Uh, this woman wrote. One of my sons said something when he, when she was, when he was around three. When I was big and you were little, I used to carry you, and now you carry me. And then next time I'll carry you, and we'll keep taking turns. <laughs> Uh, My three-year-old used to describe how, when I was big, the machine cut off my head, and he'd use the trash can lid to demonstrate on his baby doll. One day, after weeks of this, I asked him to draw the machine. I kid you not, he drew a guillotine. He even knew how the mechanism worked.
2: (laughs) That's fucked up!
0: Once I was at a graveyard while my aunt sorted the flowers on my... Grandma's grave, I was in charge of my four-year-old cousin And we went to a grassy area, not the graves And he wanted to race He suddenly stopped dead and said, the man says I shouldn't run here There was no man I cried when my daughter told me her imaginary friend Said he was her twin brother, but mommy couldn't carry us both She was three, I'd never told her she was a twin Or that I thought it was because I miscarried Oh my god um, my son came downstairs on his birthday and said, Mom, I've just seen me running across the room smiling. He didn't know his twin had died either. Oh, my God. This, uh, this one person pops in with a. Uh... This guy's dressed like a priest in his picture. Maybe it is, Um, but his, so this guy on Twitter, he's literally dressed like a priest and he's in a church and he says, my three life words are smiling, inspiring, and nurturing. I love my family, real coffee, mountain walking, and big skies. But he doesn't put like God or Jesus. I mean, maybe that's what a real priest does. But he says, Approximately 5% of under fives recall past life experiences. No one knows why, although there are some interesting theories around reincarnation. In my 20 years as a teacher, at least one child in every cohort I've taught has had or their sibling has had past life memories. Yeah, this other woman says, my five-year-old often starts conversations with when I was called Steven, he also pointed to an old coal mine we had never visited before and he didn't know that it was a mine and said casually, I used to work down there. (laughs) So weird. I want proof. I am so tired of not having proof of things. I want to know all the mysteries. I want to know, is that true? I know aliens probably haven't visited us. I know that. There's no way they can get here unless they break through some kind of wormhole. I, But I need to know the mysteries of that. Are there really ghosts? What did Katie and Tom Cruise's marriage contract look like? Tell me, I need to know the secrets of the universe. Anyway, if you believe, tell me your thoughts on reincarnation. Do you remember a past life? Do do your kids say weird things to you? Are you just like, nope, I'm a scientist. It doesn't exist. Here's why. Is it part of your religion? What do you think? I seem fun at gmail.com. I want to hear it.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: God, I have so many listener emails to read too, to you guys. <sighs> yes, yeah, so I was thinking about You know, how much I used to travel and it's just so weird that I don't anymore. You know, I mean, that's all because of COVID, because even if I wasn't touring, I'd still be bopping around a little more than I do, you know, and man, it's weird. You know, I've got this whole closet dedicated to suitcases in in my office that I'm sitting in and travel. I mean, I've got like shelves of travel, you know, travel size things. And I just always thought it was going to be a big part of my life. And I'm sure it will again. I'm sure it will again. But I was reading this interesting thing, the history of the rolling suitcase. Now, I feel like there is really nothing in the world that we can learn the history of that isn't steeped in. But this didn't come to us right away because of sexism. You know, it's always like, my God, without all the isms, how much further could we be as a species? So this is in the guardian.com. Why have some brilliant innovations from rolling luggage to electric cars have taken, why have they taken so long to come to market? Macho culture has a lot to answer for macho, macho man. I want to be, that is the best YM, uh not YMCA village people song. You know, I really hate that Trump ruined the village people by playing them at his rallies. You know what I mean? Um, why isn't my Bose speaker working? I hate everything right now. Nothing works. Um, not Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man. What did I say the group was called? The Village People. They're so good. Let's just listen to a little bit of that song for a minute.
2: Sorry about this ad.
0: That's so good I mean is there anything gayer than the village people And that Trump was just playing them at the rallies all the time And I'm like I mean good but no Like ruining YMCA forever But maybe we can take back Macho Man Did he used to play that too? I mean, this this just used to be on TV Like a bunch of skinny people in tiny shorts Dancing disco And it was just like, yeah, let's just have a fucking telethon It was a muscular dystrophy telethon And they're just lip syncing to Macho Man And just discoing You guys missed out on the 70s It was fucking fun I mean, I was five, but so what? I'm showing my guns on the uh, Patreon video version. They're not that great right now, actually. Macho, macho man. Woo! How's that podcast you listen to, honey? Um, It's kind of weird today. She's really depressing. Yeah, she's saying COVID's never going to end and a cat maybe got taken by a coyote and and she's trying to... Now she's listening to Macho Man, but, you know, I can't, can't hear it. Why don't you put back on Joe Rogan? I think I will. He, he's got someone on who says COVID's not real, so I, I think I like that better. Oh, I would put that on. Okay, anyway, so in 1970, an American luggage executive unscrewed four casters from a wardrobe and fixed them to a suitcase. Then he put a strap on his contraption and trotted it gleefully around his house. This is how Bernard Sato invented the world's first rolling suitcase. Can you believe it was only 1970? I mean, I would have thought those were invented in the 1800s. It roughly happened. I mean, I actually remember growing up and seeing, at least on TV, people carrying suitcases. But once I saw a rolling suitcase. I never thought this is new. It just thought there were both kinds, you know. Um, it happened roughly 5,000 years after the invention of the wheel and barely one year after NASA put two men on the surface of the moon. We'd even invented the hamster wheel. So why did it take us so long to put wheels on a suitcase? This has become something of a classic mystery of innovation. Nobel Prize-winning economist Robert Schiller discusses the matter in two different books, Narrative Economics and the New Financial Order. He sees it as an archetypal example of how innovation can be a very slow-footed thing and how the blindingly obvious can stare us expectantly in the face for an eternity. Nassim Nicholas Taleb is another world-renowned thinker who has pondered the mystery. Having lugged heavy suitcases through airports and railway stations for years, he was astonished by his own unquestioning acceptance of that status quo. He sees the rolling suitcase as a parable of how we often tend to ignore the simplest solutions. As humans, we strive for the difficult, grandiose, and complex technology, such as having wheels on suitcases, may appear obvious in hindsight, but that doesn't mean it was obvious. Similarly, in management... And in innovation literature, the late invention of the rolling suitcase often appears as somewhat of a warning, a reminder of our limitations as innovators. But there's one factor that these thinkers have missed. I stumbled upon it when I was researching my book on women and innovation. This is not me talking, by the way, in case you, I'm reading an article written by Katrine Markell. Again, in TheGuardian.com, she says that... Um, She was researching a book on women and innovation, and she found a photo in a newspaper archive of a woman in a fur coat pulling a suitcase on wheels. But it was from from 1952, 20 years before the official invention of the suitcase, the rolling suitcase. She said, soon, a completely different story about our limitations as innovators was rolling out. The modern suitcase was born at the end of the 19th century when mass tourism first took off. Europe's large railway stations were inundated with porters who would help passengers with their bags. But by the middle of the 20th century, the porters were dwindling in number and passengers increasingly carried their own luggage. Advertisements for products applying the technology of the wheel to the suitcase can be found in British newspapers as early as the 1940s. These are not suitcases on wheels exactly, but a gadget known as the portable porter, a wheeled device that can be strapped onto a suitcase, but it never really caught on. In 1967, a Leicestershire woman wrote a sharply worded letter to her local newspaper complaining that a bus conductor had forced her to buy an additional ticket for her rolling suitcase. The conductor argued that anything on wheels should be classed as a pushchair. She wondered what would he have done if she had boarded the bus wearing roller skates? Would she be charged? As a passenger or as a pram, The woman in the fur coat and the Leicestershire woman on the bus Are the vital clues to this mystery Suitcases with wheels existed decades before they were invented in 1972 But they were considered niche products for women And that a product for women could make life easier for men Or just completely disrupt the global luggage industry Was not an idea that the market was ready to entertain Resistance to the rolling suitcase had everything to do with gender Sadow, the quote official inventor, described how difficult it was to get any U.S. department store chains to sell it. He said at this time there was this macho feeling men used to carry luggage for their wives. It was the natural thing to do, I guess. Two assumptions about gender were at work here. The first was that no man would ever roll a suitcase because it was simply unmanly to do so. The second was about the mobility of women. There was nothing preventing a woman from rolling a suitcase. She had no masculinity to prove. But women didn't travel alone, the industry assumed. If a woman traveled, she would travel with a man who would then carry the bag for her. This is why the industry couldn't see any commercial potential in the rolling suitcase. It took more than 15 years for the invention to go mainstream. That's 1985, you guys. Even after Sado had patented it. Patented it. In the 1984 Hollywood film Romancing the Stone, a rolling suitcase is featured as something of a silly, feminine thing. Kathleen Turner's character insists on bringing her wheeled suitcase to the jungle, to the great annoyance of Michael Douglas, who is trying to save them from villains. In the 1980s, more women started to travel alone without a man to carry their luggage. Bit by bit, the rolling suitcase became a feature of the modern businessman's arsenal. But we forgot all about the intense and very gendered resistance the product had encountered. And then this person goes on and on with their opinions. This broad's just going on. <laughs> with her, But isn't that crazy? I mean, again, this limits men as well, right? Men have to put up with all this bullshit of what makes them masculine, what makes them. I mean, don't you just want to make your life fucking easier? Roll the suitcase. It's better on your back. You want to have to throw your back out? You know? I mean, I know the guys listening are like, that's absurd. I'll roll a fucking suitcase all day long. But this is why I go, you got to put, put more women in charge of things because we didn't have these limiting limits. Does that make sense? We weren't told we weren't masculine if we didn't do so and so and so and so. So we've got all these ideas that you guys won't let us invent because you think your dick's going to fall off. And I invented dick fall off. It's a it's a Okay, well, I can see where that invention would make you feel that way. But besides that, I'm sure there's some other inventions out there.
1: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. And the best part, you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's p-h-i-l-o dot tv slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month.
0: (sighs) I really, I do kind of miss rolling my suitcase through the airport. It does feel like freedom You're just by yourself Rolling a suitcase God God damn it COVID You really fucked us You really did I know I said I might talk about that uh, Alex Trebek replacement. I, I, if I hear any more, ba- if I can't talk about any more bad news. I mean, the guy's not going to end up hosting Jeopardy. But we'll talk about it another time. But I did make a comedy video and I put it on uh, social media. Why do guys, why do I do this? Can any of you just call me next time? I think I'm going to try to put something funny on the Internet. Why do I think people get jokes anymore? I posted it on Instagram. I made a video like pretending I was hosting Jeopardy. And I just said, no, the right answer is David Bowie. You nerds never get the music questions right. You guessed Rick Astley. You didn't say anything. And you said, what is music? But you were literally asking, what is music? You know, I was just like, being silly. And I was swearing. And people were like, I think you'd be great at this. I mean, I haven't watched Jeopardy in years. But if you love it. I'm like, I didn't say I loved it. it I may, I wrote, guys, my agent isn't in the office today. Can anyone get this to the producers at Jeopardy? Like, Do you think that's a real post? I mean... I I don't know where you'd get like I'm obsessed with Jeopardy from that. I was like, it's in the news, dorks. I don't fucking watch Jeopardy if There's anything wrong with it. I just don't care. I've seen it. But, you know, other people were like, hash, like they were like hitting the at symbol at Jeopardy. Like somebody give her a chance. I'm like, oh, forget. Why do I try to joke? Why do I try to joke? If I wanted to host Jeopardy, I wouldn't be able to, but I would certainly not post a video a week after the hosts have been chosen with a video full of swears unshowered from my living room. Come on, folks. Act like you've been there. <sighs> Guys, I can't. Like I just literally can't sometimes. Uh Jen. Ooh. All right, you know what? I'm going to let you guys be in a bad mood This is an email from someone I was talking um, Weeks ago about Doctors, this woman wrote me about a bad doctor Jen wanted to write and tell you about a recent Ordeal I had Where the hells of small talk, child free judgment And weird doctors intersected Background, for the past five months I've been trying to get a diagnosis For a lingering cough that I've had for about a year now My cough is not COVID I've been tested and No one around me has contracted anything I've had lung and heart tests, antibiotics, and puffers. The latest thing was to be sent to an allergy specialist. I waited months to see him because he was closed due to our provincial lockdown. I spoke to him over the phone and answered some initial lifestyle questions, allergen-related questions. Our first in empoi- Oh my God! What is wrong with me? Our first in-person appointment and meeting was at the end of June. While preparing some things in the room, he asks, "How are the kids? Not do you have any? How are they?" Plural. Obviously, because I'm a 37-year-old married woman, that's the only possible option. When I currently say that I have none, he asks, well, when are you going to? I'm not. Oh, so no responsibilities, huh? No headaches? Good for you. I have four headaches, but they're all grown up now. Silence from me. I am so filled with rage when I hear stuff like this, but can never find the words at the time because I'm non-confrontational and timid. He proceeded to do the allergy test, and I think because I was just so seething with silent rage, I probably just did the awkward woman thing of being nice and laughing. I hate that I do this. After all this and no decent results, I assume I'll never need to see him again. I've ranted to anyone who will listen. A few weeks ago, he calls me back saying he wants to redo the tests because they were inconclusive. I decide to go only because I want answers about my damn cough and he was shitty again this week. As soon as he walked into the room, I was waiting, in, he made a joke about my allergy mystery being such a disappointment and tapped me on the head with a file folder, the way you'd scold a child or a dog. I ducked out of the way and scowled at him, then joked about messing up my hair. He did another allergy test while complaining that I wasn't being chatty enough. I wasn't going to offer anything to the conversation. I hate this man. Then as I left with an appointment to come back the next day to show him my arm, he says that he hopes I'll have more to say tomorrow. I left full of rage, told all my friends and family about this awful man, and was determined that I will ask for a referral to a new allergy doctor and will write a scathing review later on. The next day I returned, ready to be cold as hell to him, but he actually had relevant things to say about my tests and Not a moment of small talk and actually treated me like an adult. I might have to go back again once I've tried this medication, but I'm so mad about the whole thing, but I guess I need to stick with it or else have to start all over with a new doctor. I'm not being taken seriously as a young woman, and because I don't have kids, he's taking that license to treat me like a child. I wanted to share this story because I want someone else to be mad about it with me. I'm pissed! Any tips for what I could say to his face next time he's rude or condescending? I may be too timid to say anything, but it may give me some confidence to try. Amanda, well, Amanda, I think you should get the fuck out of there. I know it sucks to start over with a new doctor, but you have to. And go to a goddamn woman. I'm just like, I'm sorry. You know, I, I really mean it. And I think you could say something like that if you do have to see him again. And he says anything, you could say, you know, this is going to be my last appointment with you. I think I'd be better off with a woman who doesn't condescend to me because I don't have kids or because I am a woman. I mean, I would just say it. Who fucking cares? You'll never see him again. By the way, I hate when people give unsolicited advice. Um, Make sure it's not your sphenoid sinus. That's the thing I had. I had a lingering cough for years, clearing my throat, lost my voice. And it was because um, the sinus that they cannot see with a scope or an allergy test, because it's not an allergy, they have to give you a little um, brain scan. It's it's way less crazy than it seems. You just sit in this thing and this little helmet goes around your head for two seconds and that's it. But anyway, maybe it's not that. But that I mean, I would just be like straight up, straight up like Samantha from Sex and the City in that episode where the doctor claimed that she had breast cancer because she didn't have kids. And she was like, excuse me, I'm going to find a female doctor. You are lucky to have seen my breasts. Just pretend you're Samantha for five minutes and say it like on the way out. So there's no awkwardness, you know, and then you get to like strut off. He's not going to say anything back. And if he does, he'll look stupid. There's no way he'll have a comeback that quickly.
1: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media on Fail Better. David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately, shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together fail better is out now wherever you get your podcasts
0: uh jen You can say my name. It's Mandy. Upgraded and loving it. Oh, thanks for being a Patreon. I listened to the last 399 episodes, and somehow that wasn't enough. This is my most fun addiction. Enjoying your comedic views and fun stories, even while massaging people. Yes, I was massaging someone when you read my email aloud, and I almost died of elation and surprise. I even started ending with a scalp massage. People love it. I love that. If you got that from me, I you're welcome, everybody. Now, do you have headphones in? And are you sure they can't hear? What you're listening to? You you're not playing. Wait, there's no way you're playing it out loud. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna say, I want to log your massage tips and gripes of therapists talking because this is valuable, concise information. Your verbalized point of view could be sold to and or taught as a class for massage therapists. There's a certain market for it for certain. This idea would be a branch from your customer service coaching. Here's to 400 more episodes, Man- Mandy, I can't fucking believe. That it's not a part of being a massage therapist that people say, don't ask people questions about their job or their personal life. I mean, how is that not like the first thing you learn before learning about the tissues and the muscles of the body? I I guess I got to open this customer service coaching service. Oh, my God. There's just so many emails, you guys, and I love it. I'm just trying to find some quickie dickies. Matt says, I wanted to share my thoughts on my short experience with an open mic. Saw on Instagram the bar I live near started their open mic comedy backup. So I signed up towards the end because I didn't know any better. (laughs) That means 20 out of 24 And there were four people in the crowd when I went up Confident to say I did pretty well For a first time I I know this because I saw people bomb And I heard why and it looked sucky I had three-ish jokes My first one got a laugh The second one was very medium But it tied together nicely with a light chuckle And my last joke actually finished strong there was a guy who only made jokes about his D. There was also a college white guy who used the hamburger bit throughout his set at the end of the ho- at the end the host, a black guy called him out for cultural appropriation. You know, Alonzo Hamburger Jones from Def Jam Comedy. I was cringing because it sounded familiar but I couldn't put a name to it. I think I I don't really know it that well, but I think there is a guy who just ends every joke with hamburger, but it's he's like famous. Okay, Uh, I was okay. Uh, Then the next guy complained about how he killed the show when the last guy when he was the last guy to open mic. The host wasn't having that are open mics always like this kind of bonkers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I've been at open mics where the host took his pants down and took his dick out. So that was the first one I ever went to and I left and didn't go on stage. I was like, I want nothing to do with this creepy world. And then when I met my friend Eugene Merman and did his booked open mic, I was like, now this is more like it. That that um, weird guy who took his dick out must have been anomaly an anomaly in comedy. Nope. I later learned that Eugene and my awesome guy friends were the anomalies in comedy. Booked uh, all open mics are this crazy. It is a bunch of lunatics, and that that's what it is. It, you described exactly like central casting and open mic. Um, Anyway, I've been on fire this week and I wrote about five jokes and one of them's growing and growing. I'm a cis white guy who actually likes female comedians and rappers and I'm not really into sports. So don't take it weird that I look up to your work. I don't. (laughs) I used to. Sometimes I'd see young men at my show and I didn't think it was weird at all. I thought it was awesome. And so what I've always dreamed of is that, you know, we get beyond gender and all that and we can and men can listen to Women talk and not be like that's women stuff But um, I, I would always be like Wait why are you Why do you know to be like this Like I'm always just want the Like I'm just wow you know But no I don't think it's weird I promise I won't steal anything but I do have Your storytelling real life style I guess it's what you call it Oh, yeah, I mean, I had the same style as Janine Garofalo, and I'd never fucking seen her. And Mark Maron, too. I've literally never seen them, never heard of them. And I was kind of in that same storytelling bent, and then I saw them in New York, and I was like, oh, I, these people remind me of me. Um, except better. I'm not saying I'm... You know what I'm saying. Uh, should I make a comedy stage, stage name, or is my real name better? Uh, Matt Damrich, I think. Don't make up a name. Just be yourself. And, you know, listen... I, I I be myself for a living, and I don't even know who I am, so it's always changing. and uh, I, I'm a hippie dip, so I don't have any like good career advice for people, but don't uh, don't change your name there's no point unless you had a really hard name to pronounce, but um, there's no point. No, no. okay. Well, let's end on this because it's just been one of those weeks Jen, I occasionally get emails from the Ontario Improv This is in Canada, everybody Because I've been there a few times to see someone perform Anyways, I got one this morning from them And they're promoting the fact that they had just booked Brian Callan The last week of the month Everyone, if you don't remember, he is credibly accused of rape I do know uh, women that he has uh, that claim he has raped them And uh, anyway, so yeah And uh, he, yeah, okay So, anyway, uh, it made me feel all dirty Like I needed an hour-long shower I am never going there again I also sent them messages on multiple platforms Asking them why they're booking sexual offenders and rapists I'm only one man, but I'm sure as shit Going to do my part to let them know Exactly how I feel about it Proud Patreon, thank you Um, I forgot to put your name in this Yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing, you guys If you see clubs that are booking sexual offenders And you will, because they all do um, especially, you know, Louis Back everyone's like Louis Comeback Tour. I'm like Louis Comeback Tour. Louis C.K. stopped performing for nine months after he admitted in the New York Times to sexually assaulting and harassing women and lying about it and saying he had their consent. I know these people he didn't. I mean, I got to know them after. Um and getting consent, by the way, I don't, don't even get me started. Asking someone, can I jerk off in front of you? Which he did to me damages the person for life it fucks you up In ways that you don't even know it did until years later and for me what it did Was he immediately made me feel like I didn't belong in my own scene And I just didn't feel like going out and doing comedy for a while. It was weird. I saw other people hanging with him. I Just wanted to stay away from him and uh, it's a whole long story, but the point is guys if you want to protest a club, so anyway, my point is oh, so they're like, oh, Louis, come back to him. Like, um, he's been performing the whole time, and he put out a special on his website like a couple years ago, and he has millions of subscribers. Like, he's well, still well, he never went away. He had a, nine months, big deal. Like, people that aren't having a sex scale to take nine months, and he didn't come back and ever talk about whatever. Fuck him. But anyway, he's out there performing again, having female comics as opener. So, you know, the world is a trash pile, right? But my point is, guys, if you want to protest a club that books sexual offenders, um, what I recommend doing is looking at the schedule and finding the weekends that someone who isn't a sexual offender is performing, preferably if they're, you know, a woman or a gay, LGBTQ, trans, whatever, just someone that you know, clubs normally go, oh, I don't know if we can book them because, you know, I don't know if they'll get an audience. Go support them and make it known when you're at the club. Fill out the comment cards and say, I only come when you have women and blah, blah, blah. And I brought 10 people tonight because I bring my bowling league, I bring my girls, I bring my family, you know, and you'd have a lot more of my business. If you didn't book like, like do it in the positive as well. Because, you know, a lot of times when people go, I'm not coming anymore, you kind of go like, Oh, did you ever really come? You know, it, it, it's not that But bi- enough people do come to see those people that unfortunately boycotting it isn't enough. Uh, definitely letting them know, like, here's the thing. Clubs and any business hates getting negative attention And so the more you can just annoy them Every time they book a sexual harasser They'll be like, you know what? We got so many fucking tweets and texts and calls And emails and Facebook comments last time Like, let's not even fucking do it You know, and then you've got to go the next step And buy tickets for the positive Because I know it sucks Like you don't want to give your money to a place like that But you're also, you're not, you're not quite it i don't i wouldn't look at it quite that way like you're putting money in the pockets of the wait staff you're putting money in the pockets of the comics that aren't that and they deserve to make a living too so i think you know if you guys can look at it that way that's a great way to be little revolutionaries out there Oh God well sorry for the depressing episode I mean I know you're, you're like that was my favorite one Whenever I say that no I usually say when it's boring You guys are like that was actually my favorite One Um, you, you guys might be like No that was depressing you're right I'm just You know I'm so fucking busy I gotta go back start writing tonight And I'm just I'm just I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed Um I'll see y'all next week please join the Patreon for my birthday that's all I ask It's all I ask Um I don't know I have nothing else to say Until next week Have fun